When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown, episode 235, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. And tonight, we are joined by our good friend Jolly from Frontside, holding it down in Raleigh, North Carolina, alumni of the Bar Down Break Tour and of Bar Down Breakfast. Super pumped to have our buddy Alex Jolly hanging with us tonight. So Jolly, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? Not much. Just just chilling. Islanders are falling apart. Like they get me roped back in. I, I I was at that game in Raleigh last week and like overtime winner. And I was like, all right, I'm back in. The Islanders are in a wild card spot. This is yep. it. And then they blow another freaking three goal lead in the third period on Tuesday night. And I'm like, fire everyone. So that's kind of the roller coaster of the season I've been going through. I have a buddy who lives here and plays drums as well, and he's a huge Islanders fan also. <clears throat> and we were we were messaging back and forth about, uh, you know, because I, I watch a lot of football too. I'm a big Cincinnati Bengals fan. But uh, we were talking about, you know, how my season's just kind of gone to shit. Joe Burrow's wrist is all messed up. And, and he was like, well, don't worry. The Islanders are still falling apart. And I was like, dude, what do you mean? <clears throat> you just won. Like, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> And uh, and then literally he's messaging me like what you were just saying. And he was like, this is the shit I'm talking about. We blew a three point lead in overtime. He was so <laughs> mad. I was like, I can't argue with that. So. I would say there's a 90% <clears throat> chance. I know your buddy. I would say probably maybe even higher than 90% chance. And he probably knows that mutual friend that I was telling you about, Justin, yeah. who is also a big frontside fan. I, I guarantee yeah. we all are in a... a weird islanders web and you don't even know it (laughs) yeah i believe he's from up there as well i think if i'm not mistaken i think he's from long island as well yeah yep i'm sure i know him but either way yeah islanders (laughs) islanders are breaking my heart but it's all right the hurricanes played absolutely miserable their last game 
So. Yeah, they're still second in the Metropolitan, so. Yeah. <laughs> and, truthful, and truthfully, the, the game that the Islanders won in Raleigh, there's no reason why we won it. I think we had right. 17 shots the entire game. Mm. And the Hurricanes were approaching 50. And I'm talking like 50 on net. Yeah, There was probably 100 shot attempts. Like, that's how dominant, like, the Canes were. That's insane. Yeah, it, it really was insane. <laughs> but then they're but then they're getting beat, what was it, 4 nothing in the second period by freaking McDavid and the Oilers, and we're like, um, the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, but that's also Connor McDavid. Like, Connor McDavid is just yeah. one of those players that if if someone pisses him off, oh, he's, he's just going to – He's going to run you up. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's all he can do because he doesn't have a team behind him to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. True. true that. But th- I think the difference with like the Hurricanes not kind of living up to expectations at this point is like Brenda Moore is going to be the first one to call out the team and say that they're playing like shit. Where. Yeah. All the Islander fans are hoping for is like Lou Lamorello to say, like, yeah, we're not looking so great. But he, he just doesn't come in, into the media or anything. Right. And it's just like, are they okay with this? Like, we've blown no joke, it's probably 11 or 12 third period leads at this point. Jeez. And it's only December in the season. Yeah. Like, it's still fairly early. Yeah. It's fairly early. I think there was some statistic that came out where if the Islanders would have held on to all of those leads, we'd be second in the NHL or something crazy. Like that. Oh, damn. So, yeah, but it's not great when your team's falling apart in the third. Like, that's just showing lack of discipline, lack of just, you know, taking stupid penalties, just yeah. falling apart. And, and unfortunately, it, you know, falls on the coach a little bit and, Islander fans have started to turn on them. They're they're fi- they're chanting fire lane lane and oh putting up God. pictures of legit fire lanes, like you know, like on the road. And oh yeah, like, oh yeah, fire <laughs> lane. <laughs> what a move! Yeah, what a meme. Yep, that, that's a, that's, that's like a, what my timeline statistic. looks like. That's the worst statistic to have. Is like, oh yeah, you know, if we would have actually won all these games, we would be in second right now. And it's like, man, that's what you guys have to report on. That's that's not fun. Like that's yeah. a depressing stat. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't go down. Don't go down the coulda shoulda lane. That's yeah. <laughs> that's heartbreaking. Anywhere you go. Yeah, and, and surprisingly, even after all of those third period collapses, we're not out of it. Like like I said, we were after that Hurricanes win. We were uh, in a wild card spot, yeah. and and then you follow it up with some bad performances and losing to the Sharks, which are literally the worst or second to worst team in the NHL. And it's like, all right, something's got to happen. Yeah. Something's got to give somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere. But, uh, yeah. did you guys we... catch Brenda Moore's, uh, mid game interview? <laughs> no, but I'm sure it was... the other night, I, I'm sure it was awesome. They were like, how do you feel about the uh, performance so far tonight? And he was literally like, well, we're on pace to get beat 50 to nothing right now. I, I don't know what's happening to the team. I, I don't remember the last time we've played this brutal of a game of hockey. Like, he was just brutally honest, which I love about him. He's just like, yeah, these guys are fucking blowing it right now. I don't know what's going on, but maybe we'll turn it around. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, and and I think every fan was probably like, yes, he's saying exactly what we're all feeling right now. Oh, like, I agree. 
<laughs> yeah. That's that's sometimes what you want. You don't want your GM to yeah. be in hiding. Yeah. So that's kind of like, this this season. Yeah. But I, I guess uh, let, let's talk some front side. You guys had yeah. a uh, pretty exciting summer um, getting to play the is for lovers fest. So I guess we could start there. Um, I, I walk us through how you were approached for it. Was it a just like I don't care what we have planned, we're doing this kind of situation? Yeah. So there's a little bit of a backstory to it, actually. Um, so, you know, it's on the, it was on the Outer Banks, um, <clears throat> and that's where I grew up. That's where I was born and raised. I've only lived in Raleigh for, like, seven years now, six years, seven years. Um, I moved out here just for the music scene and just a change of pace and stuff. I was playing a ton of cover gigs back home at bars and restaurants and little tiki huts and the fishing pier and this and that and just got really burned out on it. But anyway, uh, I used to work for this couple, Brad and Rebecca Myers, um, and they owned a – like a boar's head deli distribution warehouse. So I worked for them in that warehouse, but then I ended up teaching, I worked for them. I taught their son drum lessons. Um, I used to like watch their kids every now and then. I'd like take them to the skate park with me and stuff. And we just became really, really close and we've known each other forever. And they're huge music fans. They're like big time reggae and like funk people. So what they did is they started that company that put on that helped put on is for lovers fest is called Vuzik. So it's like music with a view, uh, but Vuzik on the outer banks. And they started that company and mainly like for the first like two years, cause they've only been at it since like, I think 2021 officially, um, like putting on a summer concert series on the beach. And uh, basically they were only doing reggae shows. Cause that's like the biggest pull on the beach in the summer. Who doesn't want to go stand in the sun and listen to reggae and vibe out. Right. So yeah meanwhile like i'm visiting home and we catch up hang out get some drinks whatever and i'm putting the bug in their ear over and over i'm like if you guys ever do a rock festival if you guys ever do a rock show you gotta let me know you gotta let me in and uh you know i just kind of kept pushing them and being like dude please please it would be so good so then last year they started breaking it up and it was like reggae then they had a funk band then they had a jam band then they started bringing a bunch of country acts so they fast forward to like i don't even know i think it was like january of this year and Brad texts me while I'm at work, my day job, and he's like, hey, man, uh, when you're free, give me a call. Got something kind of cool that we're working on that I want to get you in on if you're down. And I was like, okay, sounds cool. So I got on a call with him and this guy, um, Aaron Flaherty. He ended up uh, being a big part in, in putting that show on. Um, and basically, long story short, like I'm sitting at work at my desk on my lunch break, and they're basically telling me like, we really dig frontside and we really want you guys to come play like open up this you know day long festival for us and then they started listing off like some of the potential bands that were gonna they were like you know aiming for in the beginning because the is for lovers fest like there were a lot of repeat bands at each stop um but they but it did change you know like i think california is for lovers had the like the most diverse lineup and probably the most amount of people but I, i'm not exactly sure so anyway um at first they were like, you know, we're, we're looking at like Hawthorne Heights because they're putting the festival on maybe Jimmy E world, uh, all this and that. And I'm just sitting there at my desk, just like <laughs> jaw on the floor. Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? So, um, and the way that he had seen frontside was, um, rewind to May of 2022 
And I had booked Frontside to play another festival back home on the Outer Banks called Shredfest. And it's kind of like a benefit festival for like veterans and uh, um, like, you know, veterans that need assistance and disability and this and that. But it's put on by this lady, Lisa Davis, who has done like incredible things for the community back home. But like her husband used to be a pro skateboarder. So they they put on this big long day, you know, rock festival. There's a half pipe. People are doing skate demos, BMX demos. So I got frontsided on that one. We played that. Brad came out, saw us. Fast forward January, he's like, "Yo, you guys ripped. Please come play this." I told Walt and Josh, and the first thing they said was like, "You're fucking with me, dude. Like this is a joke." <laughs> I was like, "No, I'm, I'm serious, man. Like I know these people really well, and they would not like present this to me if it wasn't gonna happen, if it wasn't gonna be real." And the the ongoing joke for a while was like, I'll believe it when the flyer drops. I'll believe it when the flyer drops, you know, whatever, this and that. And uh, sure enough, like we did the um, run up to Canada and back with the sleeve boys. And uh, I think like shortly after we got back home, like a week or two later, they dropped the flyer and I sent it to the guys in the group chat. And I was like, yeah, so it's real, by the way. <laughs> and that was kind of the start of it. And it was just, yeah, it was super wild. Like you said, you know, we had pretty much planned like, Hey man, we're doing this. Like if anything comes up, like, sorry, we, this, we, we can't pass, <laughs> we can't pass this up. Like this is, yeah. this is an incredible opportunity that's just been handed to us. Like gotta do it. Gotta do it. So, but yeah, it ended up being absolutely incredible. Like I, I still to this day tell people like, you know, I've been playing drums for, 21 years total but maybe like professionally and you know for a living for like i don't know like 11 or 12 years and now of all, of all those years that one day was probably like one of the best musical days of my entire life no doubt yeah you you, you look at the flyer and the bands that were on it you're like this is sick and then also the fact that it's right like by the beach was it on the beach like could you smell the the salt the salt water pretty much yeah so it was at a place called roanoke island festival park um <clears throat> and roanoke island is like you know kind of famous for when people first came over and yeah. you know sir walter raleigh and all that and uh, like the two neighboring towns are Manio and Wanchis, named after Chief Mantio and Chief Wanchis that were indigenous to the area at the time when, you know, settlers showed up and all that, but whatever. So if you're looking at it, like, it's kind of crazy. So you come from inland, like you come from Raleigh or Charlotte, right? And you drive straight east. And when you get there, the last bit of mainland that you're on is called Roanoke Island. And it's like its own separate little island. So you basically cross a bridge, big bridge, you get to Roanoke Island. If you cross the next bridge, you're on the beach, but there's a sound in between Roanoke Island and the beach and the Roanoke Island Festival Park, the stage literally backs up to the sound. So I could have thrown a drumstick into the water if I wanted to. So it's basically like this big kind of like, I don't even know how to describe the stage. I don't know if y'all saw pictures or not, but it's kind of like a, just a big open, like almost like an amphitheater style stage it kind of shoots out to this big lawn and then right behind it's the water and then you can see the beach over that water so yeah it was, yeah, it was you, i mean you had the worst view but everyone else had a sick view <laughs> pretty much yeah but the funny part was it was absolutely 
scorching that day and during our set we were like one of the only bands that caught the shade of the sun because we started early and the <laughs> sun was on top of the uh on top of the stage and everything so we were completely shaded by the time hawthorne heights got on it was literally like right in their faces oh. i felt so bad for them but it's the perks of playing at noon i guess yeah oh, man <laughs> yeah when I, when I saw that that first of all like all of the dates because it wasn't just in the outer banks like it was all yeah. over the place like when i started to see who was was on most of these dates and then to see you guys added i was like you guys paid your dues like you totally no one was gonna fight you guys i'm like they don't deserve that spot like you know how old heads can be and gatekeepers and it's like no if anyone should be playing a big festival in north carolina like a pop punk festival let, let alone like you guys are right up there with who should be getting that spot so it was nice to, nice to see that that front side got some love and uh yeah. it it was i'm sure like you mentioned uh just a a highlight highlight reel for for the band and for you as a drummer and i wish i could have made it. it it's just like even though i'm in north carolina the Outer Banks seems like it's a, a hike from Charlotte. That, it's a hike. It's like probably seven or eight hours. I think it's about five. I think from, from the beach okay. from the beach to Charlotte, I want to say it's like five because it's like three and a half here. And then from here to Charlotte, I want to say it's like two, right? Ish, two, two and, and a half. half yeah. 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 So I think it's like five getting back home from, from Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. Either, um, either way, like, that's a hike. Five hours of hike. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, most people that like vacation. You don't really hear people from Charlotte saying they're going to Outer Banks. They're going to either Wilmington or Myrtle Beach. Or oh, it's like, way oh, closer. Like, yeah, yeah, those are way closer than than the Outer Banks. Yeah, I, it's funny. I've lived out here for a while now, and I still haven't gone to the closer beaches like Wilmington and Wrightsville Beach and stuff. Like I went there a long time ago when my friends were in college there and stuff, and I'd go down there and party with them. But like, I live two hours away from there, and I still haven't gone. <laughs> yeah. Weird state, weird state. I know it is. But going back to what you were saying about like the paying dues thing and stuff, like it's still weird to me, right? Because I've only been in the band for like three and a half years, three years and some change. So it's like when people are like, oh man, you guys have put the work in and this and that. I'm kind of in the corner, just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, sure guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but like after after it is for Lovers Fest and stuff, like we had similar, you know, Brad and I who you know helped put it on had similar conversations of just like you know there's a lot of really 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 good undiscovered you know hardcore punk rock whatever kind of bands all in north carolina all over north carolina yeah and i discovered that more and more just by joining frontside like the playing shows with them traveling around the state a little bit more than i had before like man there's so much undiscovered people bands that just need that shot and need that opportunity and like yeah i i've put i put a couple bugs in his ear about recommendations for future stuff that they want to put on so hopefully that that comes to fruition and other people can experience that because that was just yeah i feel like i feel like people need to experience that <laughs> yeah yeah i was in i was in a pretty weird headspace like mentally about like my music and like drumming and stuff for a while kind of when we got back from canada because we like the tour got cut a little bit short i don't know if you guys know that or not but like the the canada tour got sh cut short a little bit because like we were so the three of us in front side were traveling with the four dudes in sleeve 
and like four out of seven of us got COVID and I was one of them. And I came home and I was just like miserable, dude. I like it hit, it was the first time I had it. It hit me like a ton of bricks and I just sat here on the couch and just moped and was just in my, in my head so bad. But then I went and played that show and it was like, get that shit off of me. Like, <laughs> oh my God, why was I so bummed out? Like, God. Yeah. So. It, it was funny because uh, Tony, uh, drummer Tony, uh, had similar uh, things. He was like, towards like the beginning of like summer, he was kind of like bummed out and he had like, you know, he was just like, I don't know, like if this is something that I want to do and blah, 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 blah. And then uh, we played like a packed out house of blues with like 900 plus people. And that he shit was just rad, like, by the way, that shit looks dude. rad as fuck. <laughs> and he, he just goes, that was fun. Let's do this again. Yeah, for real. For real, though. That's, that's literally it. Like, like mine was more so just like, like the Canada tour was great and we had a good time, but like I had a couple of really off shows, man. I'm not even going to lie. Like I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that's going to hide my mistakes or anything like that. Like, bro, I... There were a couple of nights where I got done and I was just like, what? It was the cold, man. You're not a cold weather drummer. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I thought that was the opposite last summer when we did bar down. I was like, bro, it's too hot. I could be playing out here outside of this brewery. But uh, no. but yeah, I just that I just had hot. these I had these shows that were just like I just did not like my performance and then i came home and i was sick as a dog and then all i could think about was how bad those shows were didn't matter that i had a couple good shows in there but like all i was thinking about was like dude you you gotta tighten up man like this sucks like <laughs> which is crazy but, to think about because i think of like i think that like a bad front side set is one of the best sets for any other band that's out there like you guys and it, I think it's because, like, I had the pleasure of watching you guys for six, seven nights in a row. Yeah. But, like, you guys are so tight as a band. And if anybody's listening to this and you haven't listened to Frontside, go fucking listen to Frontside right now. Uh, don't pause the episode. Keep listening to the episode. Then after listen to Frontside, <laughs> or Mikey yeah. will just cut in a Frontside song. But hey, if you made it this far in the episode, we already get credit for your listen, so we're good. Yeah, exactly. So you can now go now that you we have the credit of your listen, so <laughs> listen to frontside. But, and then but seriously, back. like like I feel like I feel like frontside on a recording and frontside live are are two different animals altogether. Like I appreciate the recordings, but watching you guys live and watching you guys completely just shred the shit out of that stage night after night is like it was like inspiring like I that is the word that. i have to use because like it it was it was just like i would like I, I just sat there in front like watching you guys side stage or in front of the stage every single night and every night i was just like how can they get better like yeah. and you guys continually uh, got better and then you guys threw that fucking pearl jam cover in on like the last <laughs> night and i was like jesus christ <laughs> y'all made us do it y'all made us do it i know we made you do it because you guys sent it to us and we were like you guys have to play it yeah we we kind of screwed ourselves over because as soon as we sent it to you guys we were like you know they want us to play this now right like this is expected no yeah <laughs> no i i really appreciate that man we like I, the same goes for y'all honestly like i really really enjoyed that that run that we had together and just being able to like you like you said just being able to stand there night after night side stage and watch the set just evolve from state to state, you know what I mean? And like, dude, it was just wild. 
and then we, Julian we, and Tony we, sitting in with Priest Rule. That was all wild too. And like that was my first like long tour with Frontside. And Kyle had asked me if I wanted to take a couple Crease songs. And I was like, man, I'm gonna be honest, like I kind of gotta focus on my own shit because I feel like I'm gonna mess up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if I was more comfortable with the Frontside stuff, like for sure. But I gotta gotta pass this time. But yeah, watching watching. The Tony and Julian tag team those crease rule sets. That was amazing, bro. That was absolutely amazing. Like, still one of my favorite memories, honestly. They learned two the songs of, two of in my like new favorite hours. <laughs> yeah. Had a rehearsal in Richmond and stuff. Like, they were doing Yeah, like an hour yeah. rehearsal. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just, it it's blows my time. mind. This, the amount of talent on that tour was just, it was unreal. Yeah, that was a that was a really special trip, man. Like I said, that was my first like longer tour with Frontside and just being able to like be a part of that tour with them and then like meet y'all, get to know you guys over the week, play some <laughs> banging shows. Like I we came home from that one pretty high. Like we were we were pumped. Yeah. 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 Love it. We had a Love shorter it. drive than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that ride home? Oh my god, bro. <laughs> we were done. We were done for like i was i was laid out in the back seat of my jeep pretty much the whole way walter pretty much road dogged it and drove the whole way home from florida um yeah that was a that was a rough drive home but worth it it was worth it, worth it. well i was the crazy lunatic that decided like i had to like, kind of bribe my wife into letting <clears throat> us like do the orlando trip down and i was like hey like you know we'll do this you know El Dorimo night. We'll do this festival and then I'll take you to Disney. <laughs> she was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. But Disney, we decided to go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday after. So like had everything going, like promoting for the, the tour, the, the fest. And then Sunday morning, getting up at six 30 in the morning to get to Disney when the park opens. <laughs> and it was just like <laughs> this, it, and it was it was as you remember so hot that whole Dude, entire week. Bacon, it was bacon down there. Like, yeah. oh my, we came from Connecticut, freezing our asses off. <laughs> yeah, it was like fifty Orlando. degrees in Connecticut. Yeah, that was and rainy. Cool. Yeah, and yeah, that was a weird first night for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Disney was not much, you know, not real relaxation either. And then I still had to do the drive back to North Carolina after. So I was beat. And that's probably why it took like three months for Justin to convince me to do year two of the festival. Because I was also like, I think that was a one and done thing. You're like, nah, man, we got to cut it. Like, I don't know if we can do this again. We're like, no, no, we can do this again. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it two days now. I don't know whose idea that was. I was sorry that we missed the second one, man. It looked like such a good time. And the milestone is such a freaking just cool venue, like the history behind it. And I like the fact that y'all did like the indoor outdoor swap vibe. That's rad. But uh, yeah, I I felt bad that we missed that one. Yeah. Fucking Alisana. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was that show. Yeah, that was that whole tour. They just, they they just brought Walt on and he was like, hey man, I'm sorry. Yeah. We can't play. Yeah, that was when he was <laughs> filling in as the tour manager. And, now he's uh, official. Now he's the real thing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I'm so happy for him, honestly. Like, that that really is, like, outside of Frontside, like, he's an, y'all already know, he's an yeah. incredibly talented vocalist, guitar player, you know, bandmate, all that. He writes 
all the front side stuff. Um, but yeah, dude, that's really just his bag, man. Like he, I think he thrives in that environment of like tour managing and, and, you know, helping those guys with what they need. And yeah, it's, it's really cool to see him kind of just get in his zone with them and, and be able to do that. It's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When he called me, I was like, yeah, dude, you go do that. Like, of course you yeah, do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to do that. It's understandable. It's a bummer, but it's understandable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, year two was a blast. And, you know, I was kind of always on the fence about the Charlotte music scene. Like, you know, nah. it's hit or miss, but people came out for that and i was like both days yeah both days and it was once again hot as hell like it might have actually been hotter year two than year one which is crazy definitely hotter inside maybe i'm not so sorry on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, out, no. the outside was a little rough there like definitely saturday outside and p- seeing people like mosh and shit in 100 degree weather i was like what is wrong with you lunatics in like Bro. fucking jeans if you're not about to have a heat stroke, are you really at a punk show? Like, come on. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I was not about to energy. do that. Yeah, just pound a bunch of energy drinks. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, us lunatics are, are, are still uh, planning year three, but that's nice. that's for another day. We we keep yeah. like just hinting it on here. Maybe well, someone I'll, will I'll be keep like... my eyes open. <laughs> I feel like we officially, unofficially announced it on the episode with hammer he uh, made that's us a call, that's a callback to uh, listen to one of our previous episodes if you haven't caught that but yeah with hammer he kind of made us uh unofficially announce it and now we have to do a quick revision to that episode Uh-oh. um not quite yet of, well let's not let's, quite let's, yet, let's but we'll see but it might be <laughs> it might be a revision yeah don't go leaking stuff man yeah <laughs> come on. that's what happens when we leaked it fucking hey. bad juju that is true. It was like right around that time. I feel like sometimes that's like, honestly, though, I feel like sometimes people do that as like a promo move. Like, oh, shit, their new album got leaked. Nah, they yeah, that's what Grand Theft Auto 6 <laughs> just did. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. People are tripping over that game, aren't they? Yeah. I guess. I, I haven't owned a video <clears throat> game system since like 2008, so I can't really comment. Yeah. Just yeah. out of that world. But I guess this is a perfect time for us to tell about our homies DraftKings. So bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. I do not advise you to throw down any money on the New York Islanders because I don't know what the heck they're doing. But download that app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Sorry, crease rule. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. 
See DraftKings.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. So, Jolly, you were talking about your cover. Um, that's probably the latest frontside release that you guys did with Revival for their grunge compilation. Yeah. And uh, covered probably a, like one of the most iconic like 90s <coughs> songs. Like when you think of grunge, you th- it's like Nirvana and then Pearl Jam. And you guys went for the big boys going with Pearl Jam. So kind of walk us through the the selection for that tune and kind of recording it and what the reception's been. Yeah, I mean, um, super random. Totally not what we do. But when they approached us, it was kind of like, yeah, this is a fun idea. Let's just see what we can come up with. And honestly, we we landed on that song pretty fast. We just like we were in our little band group chat on um, Slack going back and forth and <clears throat> like trying to figure out um, you know, we went back and forth over a couple songs and then Pearl Jam came up. And as soon as Pearl Jam came up, I think we listed like Even Flow and maybe like one or two other songs. But then we got together for rehearsal shortly after that. And like pretty much as soon as we started like playing Even Flow, it was like, oh yeah, let's just do this. This is cool. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> But um so they they've worked with a guy named Garrett Barefoot and he owns Black Plate Studios. And we went out there and recorded with him. It was my first time working with him. He actually came out and shot pictures and videos of us at the Is For Lovers Festival, which is rad. He did that little nice. recap video that we posted. Super awesome, like cinematography work that he does. Incredible. But um, cool little studio out there. Went out there on like, I don't even know, it was like February or March. Um, cranked it out. And then we kind of just sat around and we were like, when is this thing going to come out? And uh, we didn't really know. And then all of a sudden they started dropping like I think they they dropped like a single at a time from like yeah. each band kind of, and then they dropped the whole thing. But uh, and like y'all had already heard it, you know, like you said last year we had teased it and showed y'all and everything. But um, yeah, I mean it, everybody received it pretty well, and uh, we didn't get too much hate for it or anything. <laughs> it was it was cool. It was it was honestly it came out really really fun, and like we listened back to the mixes and stuff when we got them, and we were all just kind of like, dude, this is this is cool. This is sick. This is a good time. So yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Like I used to, I grew up playing like anything from like classic rock to like '90s stuff and grunge and anything like that. So it was kind of like going back to my my roots a little bit it was just cool as shit hearing walt like seeing eddie that are like walt <laughs> yeah he belt that shit <laughs> he just belted that shit and it was just it was so good and then just the guitar work and everything was just like making i think it's like i think it it, it goes to the like i said the talent of you guys being able to take you know a band that was at their peak when that song came out because that's that that's right off of 10 which was their iconic album in the 90s but being able to take a band that is traditionally like a five-piece band turn it to a three-piece and still make it sound just as big is is i mean you guys are just tremendous like it, it it's fucking mind-blowing sometimes making me blush over here bro <laughs> uh- <laughs> No, I appreciate that a lot, man. Like, um, I've always been a big fan of the power trios. 
like mm-hmm. always. Uh, I just think there's something kind of just unique and special about it. And it's nothing against, you know, four or five piece, six piece bands. Like obviously they, you know, y'all bring the heat, bigger bands, of course, bring the heat, the sound, just big, you know, big full sound. But I feel like, you know, if you can accomplish that with three people, I feel like that's a, that's a cool thing to get away with. And like, yeah, it was, it built, like I said, listening back to the mixes, we were, we were kind of thinking the same thing. Like, dude, this sounds big. Like this is, yeah. this is cool. Yeah. It was big. Yeah. And I'm, not to say like you keep saying you know we're super tight and you know shreddy and ripping and stuff when i first joined the band it was mid 2020 covid we had no nothing to do but rehearse and get me caught up on all the songs and play everything about a thousand times and yeah so we've definitely put the time in in the shed i feel like uh and that's why i was beating myself up so much after a couple of the shows on that run in canada i was like dude you're better than this what are you doing (laughs) but but now yeah, that, was a, that was a really fun time. All the, all those covers on that um, on that grunge compilation were sick. It was awesome. Yeah, you don't really, you know, I guess they've done these kind of comps, right? Like Fearless Records kind of made it famous with all their <laughs> punk goes pop and you name it. They've done every genre of music that at this point, and to to hear like pop punk and emo bands doing grunge music it was just like this is cool especially like out of times as as pop punk is like when you think about the definition of pop punk like it's pretty much out of time and to to hear them cover an alanis morissette you're like this kind of works like how the hell does this work (laughs) my dudes (laughs) i love that shit dude it was awesome Um, yeah that was a great that was a great choice it it was funny because like we you know they asked us for three songs and i'll let everybody know what the other two choices were but we were we were gonna do um it was either territorial pissings by nirvana um it was um either monkey wrench or learn to fly from foo fighters and the the one that we wanted the most was hand in my pocket and yeah. we kind of like slid that in there. So we slid it in between the two. And we were like, go for the second one, go for the second one, go for the second one. And they just go, let's do hand in my pocket. And we were just like, fuck yes. And then we literally <laughs> sat there and we were just like, how do we make this punk? And we had to like, we just deconstructed the song and just. We're I'm like, sure that took some time on that one. Yeah. We were like, can we put a breakdown in here? Let's put a breakdown in here. So we also put a breakdown in there. Hell yeah. Now I'm not so, and I don't know why I've never even asked you this. I'm not so well versed on Alanis Morissette. Like everyone knows that song, but to say I know like the lyrics would be a complete lie. Did you guys change any of the lyrics like you did with your Taylor Swift cover? We kept everything original to the song. Um, for the Taylor Swift song, we just we obviously just changed it to make it, you know, you know, male centered because, you know, Mike... but you also changed like she likes newfound or. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had to part. change a couple things into there. But uh, yeah, for the Atlantis Morissette one, we we literally kept it as is because Jagged Little Pill is, you know, OK, Jack. OK, if you don't know about Jagged Little Pill really quick, Jagged Little Pill is the like pop punk emo album of the 90s that entire album was written in retaliation to her her relationship with dave coulier from full house oh damn 
So if you like, that's Jagged Little Pill is about like essentially her, you know, having to deal with that relationship ending and how bad it was. Um, so when that's why we were just like, ooh, like this, this we could let we could do this. Like let's let's make let's make our Canadian queen at, like proud on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so Had all the makings of an emo song from the beginning. No, yeah, like seriously, like and I <laughs> I, I I preach about this all the time. Like Alanis Morissette. And Taylor Swift write the best emo pop punk songs, hands down. You can take any one of their songs and turn it into a pop punk song, no problem. I've never I believe it. That way. Um, I think <laughs> um, I think Neck Deep did another Alanis Morissette song too. Um, you ought to know it could be a great punk song. Oh, yeah. um, there's just so many off that album that that are just awesome. I'm an Alanis stand though. Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> I have two older sisters, and they were super big into Atlantis when I was super little. So that was like all they listened to. Oh, my mom had Jagged Little Pill on a cassette in her car, and that's all she listened to. Nice. Yeah. Now, Jolly, I'm just trying to piece together like a little bit of a timeline with you in Frontside. Yeah. That that wasn't your first like studio recording with them, right? Or are you on the Closer to Closure EP? Nope. So, uh, yeah. So the original like compilation essentially eventually and then closer to closure that's all the original drummer jake and i joined shortly before they released closer to closure um they parted ways with jake early 2020 and then they approached me may of 2020 and asked me if i wanted to play and i was playing with solar bear and zeperantes at the time um and at first, I was like kind of hesitant, but like I had already met them. I knew who they were. Zephyrantes had played a show with Frontside like a couple months prior. So as soon as Walter hit me up, it was like, yeah, I'm busy, but this is kind of a no-brainer. Like I'm gonna play with these guys because they've ripped. Um, so yeah, they they brought me on when they were pretty much finishing up mixing and mastering Closure to Closure, and then shortly after I got on finalized stuff got locked in with revival and then did the release shortly thereafter that as well but um yeah so i joined mid 2020 so the, the first studio recording is even flow for me um okay and we went out to the bakery recording studio in richmond virginia with uh, will beasley out there super nice guy killer engineer um this past january and we recorded one of our new singles and uh we're working on getting that one out ASAP. I think we wanted to have it out by now, but just with the timeline of like, it's for Lovers Fest. And then, you know, Josh and I stay busy in other bands. Walt's doing the TM thing with Alisana. Like, you know, timelines just got a little, little hectic here and there. And this is nobody's fault. You know, it's just, we're going to put it out when it's time to put it out. And we obviously didn't want to drop it around Thanksgiving or around Christmas when it's going to get, you know, kind of lost in the ether of, all that stuff. We had a couple talks with Revival and stuff about what they would recommend as far as like release timelines for this new single. Because this new single is fresh out of the batch of like we've got a we've got a handful of new songs in the pipe ready to roll pretty much. So um yeah, we're just waiting to record those as well. But yeah, my first studio recording with Frontside is even a cover. <laughs> how was it how yeah. was it working with Will Beasley? Because he's like, you know, He's, I mean, it. If you know who Will Beasley is, he's a legend in this scene. You know, he did Nonstop Feeling by Turnstile. He's done a lot of stuff from the Dangerous Summer. 
uh amorosa like he's done so many of like you know some of my favorite songs he even worked with my friends in house and home funny enough i'm wearing their sweater right now but um but you know what was it like working with him because i've only heard amazing things and it, it's always nice like hearing from another musician what it was like working with him man i got nothing but good things to say about that guy in the studio like so the 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 bakery <clears throat> when we went in january it was still pretty new and he was still finishing up the other room but the one live room was ready for us they have two beautiful big live rooms mm -hmm. um and yeah we had two full days with him pretty much the first day was mostly all drums um we we spent a good amount of time just really getting like tones dialed in and then like again you know we had had the songs all these new songs are pretty much demoed out ready to roll but we did adjust a few things while we were there listening yeah. to it in real time. So <clears throat> yeah, the first day was just all drums, but like, man, like I've had a lot of different recording experiences in and out of studios, you know, and uh, that guy knows what's up, man. Like he, like he made me feel super comfortable and like he had recommendations for what I should do with my kit and stuff. And I always take, you know, people's recommendations or, or critiques or anything like that. I'm not like, no, nah, bro, this is my shit. You can't, you know, can't tell me what to do, but uh, <laughs> now he gave me some really, really cool tips on like what we could do tuning wise and change some stuff up. And we changed some of the mic placement and this and that. And then we were listening back day two. And I was like, damn, dude, this is, this is pumping. But uh, nah, super nice guy. Really, really fun to work with. Um, like I said, I got nothing but good things to say about him. Yeah. And are we thinking January, February? Hopefully early, 20, hopefully early 24 for this first single. And then uh, after that first single releases, that'll be kind of like the um, the trigger for us to get into the studio and get these other ones cranked out. Um, just because we haven't, you know, again, we've all been busy doing separate stuff. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, we're hoping early 24 for sure. And, and Walt has kind of started doing some recording for bands, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. So is he going to do some frontside work? all of our demos were done at his place um, okay and we did nice. <clears throat> excuse me i'm still getting over this like cold if y'all hear me like clearing my throat i'm so sorry i've had a cold my girlfriend and i have had a cold for like three weeks we both had bronchitis it's like bro, Ooh, get me out of here get me out of here but anyway <laughs> um yeah recording well uh we recorded all the demos that all the new front side demos at his place and then that kind of he had a lot of fun messing with those and tweaking them and mixing them. And then he started bringing other people in and, you know, some of the recordings he's done have been released now. Um, and yeah, he killed it, man. He, he, he picked that up and ran with it so fast. It was like, dude, what? And then he's like slowly <laughs> upgrading his gear and like, you could just see, see the slow evolution over like, you know, I'll say probably the last two years or so, two and a half years roughly, but yeah, man, he's killing he's killing the recording game for sure. But we had the conversation of like, well, we could just do the album in the basement, bro. Like, why not? You know, like it sounds fucking good. We might as well. But like, it's one of those things, and I'm sure you guys will understand. It's like if we recorded it ourselves and mixed it ourselves and mastered it ourselves and released it. Once it was out there, there's probably so many things that we would just pick apart. Just being artists, and we always pick our. You know, you you know you you play something and you're like oh that was okay and everybody around you like that was incredible and you think it was eh, okay yeah so it's like we really want to you know get a third party in on it be in a real studio environment 
with you know a real engineer not saying well it's not a real engineer it's not you know but i don't think i don't think any of us especially walt wanted the pressure of hey if this comes out awesome sick if it comes out whack like that's our fault <laughs> you know what i mean like so i think we shifted back towards let's get in the studio and do this thing you know for real and and keep it consistent with the previous releases because all the other releases have been done you know in studio and they sound really good so or to me anyway yeah and i think it's good like when you have like that that third party kind of like look at it because absolutely it's, it's one of those things where like if if you know i i hate to use the the term like if you sit there and you make hamburgers all day you're literally just going to make the same hamburger over and over and over again but if you have a producer that comes in it's like hey put some of that black truffle like mayonnaise on there and see what happens and you're like oh yeah. my god this fucking elevator why didn't i think about that and it's yeah. just like things that you don't necessarily think about you know putting into your work to elevate it that much more that's why it's so good just to have somebody from the outside who is who has that grasp on what's you know what would sound good or you know has an ear to the ground of of you know the current music scene just come in and be able to provide that feedback. It's it's astronomically well. Like you can't pay for that. Or it's Absolutely. priceless. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's really just like the way I think of it is like a fresh set of ears, right? We've mm -hmm. rehearsed this song a hundred times at least. And then we go into the studio and it sounds pretty much the same way that we rehearsed it all those times. And then, you know, Walter and Will are talking back and forth. Oh, what if you did this here? What if you did that there? What if you did this, you know, make this fill, you know a bar long instead of half the bar long or whatever. And um, yeah, it's definitely nice to have that, that fresh set of ears on it to kind of either tell you like, Hey, this is rad. You're doing the right thing. Or oh, what if you did this instead? So. Yeah. Hell yeah. And as Justin mentioned, yeah, you guys sound epic on all your recordings, but the real front side experience is, is seeing you guys as a live band so do we have any live shows or was is to lovers the, the last is for lovers the last thing and then you guys are taking a little time off to get the recording done? Kind of, yeah. That's kind of the the I'd say the temporary plan for now. Like is for lovers was a, a huge I mean, again, I can't I can't really describe that day. I, I, it's hard to put into words, you know, like just being there and, and being a part of it and just hanging out with Hawthorne Heights, hanging out with Bayside, hanging out with Emery, like wild i mean absolutely wild and uh after that we all just kind of had this moment where we were like how do you follow that like how do you follow that up what are we what are we supposed to do now like like bar out break fest bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely i mean fuck, let's do it but uh yeah we just had that thought we we're just like what do we do now and then the focus shifted like let's let's get these tracks out let's get these tracks done let's get them out um we did play this funny like one-off show in Dayton, Ohio, back in the end of September is a, a private event, which we don't ever do, but um, there's a venue in Dayton, Ohio called the Bright Side. And the owners are big Frontside fans because Frontside toured through there before my days in Frontside back then, you know, back then. And um, it was the, I'm probably gonna butcher this story, but it's fine. Um, it was the owners, I want to say 50th birthday. And she hit up Walter and was like, hey, I'm going to throw this big birthday show. I really want Frontside to come. And we were like, oh, cool, sick. We rented a trailer, literally drove to Dayton after work on a Friday, got there at 3.30 in the morning. They had a 
they had a um like a pull behind camper parked in the parking lot of the venue for us to sleep in that night which is rad and then we get up the next day hang out in dayton for a little while play the show got back in the car drove clear back to raleigh got back to raleigh at like 7 30 in the morning insane um but that was the last show we played yeah after it's for lovers fest so it was like a secret like didn't announce it didn't promote it because it was a private birthday party event you know type thing and uh it was, it was what fun. was the time. what was the vibe like for that with a bunch of 50 year olds seeing frontside they loved it honestly it was rad like they had a dj before <laughs> us in this big room like so we're in a room here there's like tables and there's like a bar here and then you go it's like a wedding venue way. So there, there's a, but, but the crazy thing is, dude, it is a massive, massive building. I'll have to like send you like message y'all a picture of the building. I took a, a like a um, panoramic picture of the building. It is massive. And they have, I want to say like five or six different rooms. They have a, they have like a, a room that's like 350 cap. The room we were in was like 150 cap. There's a wedding venue upstairs. There's like showers and a locker room upstairs. There's like a jewelry and art store attached to it. Like it's a massive, like just complex, I guess. But and yeah, it's like it's a really cool. full production stage. There's like lights and everything. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The, apparently they're they're tight with the uh, the Hawthorne Heights guys, and they were they were telling us like, yeah, some of those guys might show up tonight, and uh, they didn't. But it was cool to, <laughs> to know that they might. But yeah, Dayton's Dayton's a Farmville town. Like that's all that's out there is just farm and. Oh yeah. That's it. Yeah, tell me about these fifty-year-olds rocking out the front side. I need to really hear about it, bro. They really loved it. I'm not. I'm not playing. Like they, they enjoyed. It. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just wild. Like they, of course, everybody's drunk. We didn't start playing until like I don't know, ten or ten thirty at night, and we played like a solid hour-long set, which is kind of out, you know, out of the norm for us. We're used to playing like thirty, forty-five max. Um, yeah, it was a good time, man. They, they they really enjoyed it, and we just spent some time like hanging with them, talking with them afterwards, and then we were like, all right, we gotta get on the road, we gotta get out of here, like we gotta roll, because like we wanted to get back to work. We just like we just have this thing, man, where it's like if it's doable, we'll wake up in our own beds. Why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah they that. they enjoyed it a lot. It's it's really funny though. Like you don't like like you're saying like you know, a bunch of fifty year olds. Like it's a mixed crowd. Like some you know older folks, and then. You know, there's probably a couple of people in their 30s, mid 20s, and there are a couple of young kids like in their teens and stuff. It's a birthday party. Everybody's there, family, friends, cousins, whoever. And yeah. uh, everybody was super into it, man. I was just, it was kind of amazing because like when you walked in and the DJ was playing, I was like, who are we playing for? <laughs> but then when we started and we finished the first song, everybody's like, yeah, fuck yeah. It's like, oh, okay. All right, they're down. Let's go. Cool. That's awesome. So yeah, the, there you go. Proof have... proof that Frontside's a live band. You can just win over the 50-year-olds, the grandmas, grandpas, the 12-year-olds. You get your You can pull in Dayton, Ohio. You can pull anywhere. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't I mean, I think playing with Frontside is probably the most traveling for music I've ever done, honestly. Um, especially the tour, the Bar Down tour last year. That was huge from the top to the bottom. Um, but yeah, it's a really good time, man. And like, like, you know, playing this stuff live is, I'm not even going to front. It is an absolute challenge. And that's why I took it on. That's why I joined the band as I'm like, yeah. this is going to make me a better musician. This is going to make me a better drummer, musician overall. Like this is good for me. It's a good challenge. So, and, uh, I think people really just, you know, I, I hope people feel that when we play, 
Um, Cause that shit's kind of tough some nights, but it's really fun. I get done and I'm like about to die sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> and then I watch Julian and I'm like, I'm just tired watching him. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, that guy's gonna just... kick every bass drum off the stage. <laughs> he almost kicked Dakota off the stage holding his bass drum. I know that was that Uncle Lou's, right? Yeah, That's so funny. Dakota just sitting on the front of the bass drum, just smiling, just, <laughs> just staring right at Julian. I loved it, dude. That was so great. Those dudes will be like all of y'all will be homies for life after that trip. I swear. Yeah, it was a good time. Good time. I wish I like I had some serious FOMO as you guys were up in like Connecticut and. PA York PA and stuff and I was at home like doing daddy duty like listening to super simple songs in the car driving around town and stuff and I'm like damn they're killing it up all across the country and I'm doing this but you guys made it to Charlotte and then I I latched on for the last bit and it was just totally epic yeah yeah I, I think the the standout shows for me on that trip were probably Richmond, Raleigh, and then the the last night in Orlando at, at uh, was it Will's Pub? At yep, Will's, yeah, yeah. I'm so bad with names, man. Um, but yeah, those three nights were like fucking unbelievable. <laughs> so awesome. One of one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite memories is uh, tour manager Walt coming out of the venue at in Pennsylvania, and he just has a stack of cash. And I literally just look at him and I go, because there's there's like literally like maybe three or four people outside of the bands like at that. Yeah, show. it was a quiet. It was a quiet night. It was a quiet sure. night. It was a good night for rehearsal. Um, no doubt. And and he comes out with a stack of cash and I literally look at him and I go, Walt, did you just like rob the place? He's like, no, man. He's like, this is what we got paid. And I was like, damn. From what? And he's like, the bar. <laughs> So, so TM Walt saved the night that night because I didn't think we were gonna get paid, and we made out with we made out with you know pretty good gas money, and we showed the boys from Crease Rule some gas station fried chicken that night. Hell yeah! Oh, y'all took them to Bucky's too, didn't you? Yeah, we took them to Bucky's at three a.m. Nice, perfect. They were no they were, no better time to go to Bucky's than three a.m. We took them to every gas station that had food. We took them to Sheets. We took them to Wawa. We took them to Bucky's. We took them to Cumberland Farms. Uh, nice loves. No, we, oh yeah, we no, we went. We didn't go to Loves. We went to Pilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walt used to drive trucks, so anytime we're on the road and we see a Loves or a Pilot, it's like, oh, yep, that we're going. Dude, I have no idea what just happened, but on your screen, like a thumbs up popped up. <laughs> I think I I've saw never... that, like in the corner right there. Dude, I've never <laughs> seen that happen. <laughs> I have no idea how that happened, but I love Good it. Vibes, and just... the, uh, this, this app really likes our conversation, I guess. Someone's going to be a couple people watching already. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, man, it's been, it's been a wild, wild ride and getting to meet y'all last year. And yeah, it's been, it's been crazy, dude. It's been, it doesn't feel like it's been three and a half years playing with them, but it's like, I look back on the, the stuff I've done with them and the memories and I'm like, Oh shit. You're like, this is some cool shit. Too. Yeah, it's really cool, man. Like I've had some some really great opportunities through them and the other band I play with Zephyrantes as well. Like a lot of unique opportunities with that band. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, like like Frontside, I think is just something something special, man, something different. And I just I'm very thankful to be a part of it for sure. <clears throat> and, and now you like officially 
can say that uh, that Frontside is a Raleigh band, right? Because you guys, you, you have your roots planted in Raleigh officially, right? So I'm I'm outnumbered by the Durham boys, two to one. Walt and Josh live in Durham. I live in Raleigh, so we're still Durham. But I say Raleigh all the time. They say Raleigh sometimes, Durham sometimes. Um, that's same same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's it's absolutely not. Every time I say it's the same thing, people are like, "No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not Raleigh Durham. It's just Raleigh or Durham. Pick one." <laughs> to me, it's the same thing. It feels like the same thing, man. I drive yeah. twenty minutes to practice. Like, come on. Man. <laughs> yeah true that so. true that well jolly yeah. man it was great catching up and i, I love that you have have taken on a, a love for the canes as well and oh, are yeah. going to games and all that like i i love to yeah, see I, it and I, I i hope that one day frontside could play there again so you get to experience that i would love that because i didn't even know they did that until like a couple months into the band and i was like I was doing my research, bro. I was listening to the, you know, the compilation, the EP, trying to learn the stuff. And then I was watching YouTube videos, like trying to get a vibe to like the live stuff. And then I stumbled across the PNC show and I was like, bro, are you kidding me? Like, what? <laughs> this is so sick. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, I, it was so weird, man. I grew up on the beach. So like, obviously there was the closest hockey, I think was probably in like Norfolk, Virginia, which is like an hour and a half from where I grew up. And like my, my parents were not about to drive me up there for that. But I played I played a ton of roller hockey growing up. They built a um, like a street hockey rink across the street from my high school. And um, the weird part about that was like I was like 12 and 13 going out there with like grown ass men. So like I never really <laughs> never really like got a chance to enjoy playing hockey. But like, yeah, dude, I would like shoot pucks at our garage door all the time in my driveway in the middle of summer and like i wanted to play hockey growing up so bad dude and uh you know obviously mighty ducks was huge and then like i got a yeah. little older my parents showed me uh mystery alaska you guys know that one oh yep. crow yes fucking awesome movie where the i'm pretty sure there's like playing alaska i'm pretty sure there's like boobs or something in that movie and yeah. i remember i was in seventh or eighth grade and i i was like a huge hockey fan so the fact that there was another hockey movie coming out, I like begged, begged my mom to take me to the movies to see that. Yeah. And it was rated R. So of course. I'm pretty sure there was like a boobs moment. And my mom was like, close your eyes, close your eyes. Oh, my parents said the same thing. My mom immediately would just be like, slap her hand on my face. Just be like, don't look, don't look. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I grew up watching all those movies, but like never actually got a chance to, to play hockey. And then I moved out here and, uh, you know, my girlfriend and I have been dating for six and a half years now. But when I first moved out here, I was like, oh, I've, I've never been to a real hockey game. And she was like, you're joking. I was like, no, I've never been to a hockey game. Like a week later, she took me to a Canes game on like Super Bowl Sunday or something in like 2018 or 19, I think. But uh, fucking epic. It was awesome. They played the Sharks and they just beat the shit out of them. They're like two fights. I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I was just, I was like, I've been missing out my whole life. I knew it. I knew it. This is the best sport. But, and you got in at the right time, man, because yeah. the Canes, those, you know, from then until now, the f the fan base has really bought in. Like I, I was there last Thursday and I was just looking around and the whole upper deck was full. The whole lower bowl was full. And I was just like, because I started doing these groups in 2016, like the big Islander groups at PNC. Yeah. Y'all roll and, deep, man. You guys roll like what? 20, 30, 40 people deep. Oh, <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> that's comical. We're we're like <laughs> three hundred deep to, to some of them. Fuck. Yeah, dude, that's it's insane. it's kind of crazy how many Long Island guys are here. Yeah, so like what? if small if, army. If twenty yeah, people show, enough. if twenty people show up to like a random meetup we have here in Charlotte, I'd be like, oh, that was kind of a a, a weak night. But when okay. we go to the games at PNC Arena, everyone comes out and we get hundreds of people. So yeah. when we started doing it in 2016, they would let us just take whatever seats we wanted. We would be in the whole lower bowl. We would have an entire section and there would be $55 tickets, 10 rows yeah. off the ice because they, so the nice. attendance was so bad. Yeah. And then fast forward around 2018 when they started getting good again. They're like, uh, you're gonna have to go. anymore. <laughs> you're gonna have to go up top. That's all we got. And tickets are still pretty much the same price. And we're like, wait, what? And I, I, I could see it. Like the the fan base is totally bought in, and you you got to see it firsthand. Like that's your first experience. So you haven't even gotten to to see some of the darker times. So yeah, it's so all I mean, funny I, games I, for you. <clears throat> I used to watch, so I did. I did watch before I like went to my first real game. So I, I do have. I'm familiar with like some of the, you know, darker lean times, years. You say. Yeah, the darker yeah, times. Yeah. Before the big boys showed up, you know, Stetch, Aho, Burns, all the killers, you know. But uh, yeah. So the first game she took me to was like a Super Bowl Sunday, and we were sitting up top, up top, way up top, all the way up, and we went to get a beer or something on intermission, and one of the people working at PNC was like. Hey, uh, where are you guys sitting? We're like up top. And he was like, "Oh, um, go down this row, and you know, sit, uh, you know, row, whatever. I can't remember exactly what it was. They just ended up putting us in like two empty seats that were like four, four seats off the ice behind the goal on the cane side. And I was just like, "This is rad." And it was my <laughs> first hockey game, and they just like put us in these seats that were empty. And then like, yeah, even since then, man, like it's definitely been a a solid like growth and evolution of like the fan base and like tickets are way more expensive than they used to be. And yeah, parking's I mean, $40. I couldn't believe that. I was like, parking oh, is insane. $40 now. Yeah. So my cool thing is like my girlfriend's work, they, um, they have season tickets. They have a pair of season tickets that are in the lower bowl, like two seats off the ice. I think actually the game that I went to and I was like in between both benches, like two seats off the ice is the one you messaged me and you were like, come on the podcast. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but, um, but they have those, those season tickets and they have parking too. But what they do is like a raffle every week and different employees will win the raffle for the tickets. So anytime she wins them, I'm like, yeah, we get the good seats. <laughs> but any other time I'm like, bro, I'm buying seats. I don't care where they are. Like we went to the uh, playoffs last year islanders game four y'all smoked us that was when you uh got my boy got my boy aho right in the mouth but um it was, that was a crazy that was a crazy time i had just got back from the bathroom and all of a sudden i watched him take a slap shot right to the face and i was like oh we're, we're probably we're probably done for the night i think <laughs> but uh yeah that was a that was a good game good game for y'all anyway yeah i, I refuse to go back f because the season or two before that is when the the cane swept us and I thought it'd be a good idea to, to go with some of my Islander friends for game four. And that's obviously when they closed out the series and walking out of that arena after the canes just swept us was the most brutal experience I've 
ever experienced as a fan. I just yeah. like felt like a puppy who just got like caught going through the trash with my tail between my legs <laughs> and my owners hating me. Like that's how I felt walking to my car. I was just like, Damn. get out of here. Yeah. Tried as quick yeah. as possible to get out of there. Oh, I had I had stars in my eyes when we went to that playoff game last year, and I was like, "Yeah, we're getting to go to a playoff game, game four. This is gonna be rad." And y'all beat us, and I I felt a similar way. I was like, I had higher expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's been cool, man. I've I've been I've been going a lot more regularly. Um, we went to like opening night of the preseason this year. That was super fun. They played uh, the Leafs. That was rad. Um, it's always interesting to watch preseason because like the canes don't really start a lot of the main guys so you get to see all the fresh talent and stuff which is awesome really and you get i mean we got to see like the new guys like like d'angelo came back and that was rad and uh like just watching all the young up-and-comers but then we went to um who did we play tampa bay lightning uh that was the the second one we went to this season and that was like couple games into the season won that one too but yeah man I've, I've really enjoyed like getting to go to hockey games in person like we my apartment here right now i live five minutes from pnc nice it's like basically in my basically in my backyard but we're currently i told you mikey but we're currently under contract buying a house and it's a little bit further away but worth it i'll still go to canes games oh yeah yeah can't can't pass up the the caniacs and the, the game experience that they've developed and you know it, it's a lot to a lot of fun to see especially yeah. to know that the team is going to stick around like you know yeah. having a fan base that's bought in they they just need to do a better job developing outside of raleigh <laughs> like raleigh yes people are gung-ho about the the canes but in, here in charlotte man people can care less it's crazy yeah yeah, I feel that for sure because, like, you know, Charlotte's got everything. Charlotte's got the Panthers. Y'all got the the FC team or, you know, the, the football club. Um, what else is in Charlotte? Uh, racetracks in Charlotte. Hornets are in Charlotte. Y'all have everything, you know what I mean? And, like, everybody in North Carolina – well, most everybody in North Carolina is a Hornets fan, Panthers fan, you know, something to that degree. But I totally agree. Like, I know more Islanders fans in North Carolina than I do Canes fans, I'm pretty sure. Which is yeah. – Kind of crazy to say, but I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Y'all are everywhere. And, it's fine. <laughs> and the Hurricanes are still the only professional sports franchise in North Carolina with a championship. Is that true? I have no idea about the Hornets. I'm, Don't ask I'm me like, about the Hornets. I'm like 90% sure. That's crazy. If it's, I mean, I believe you. I'm not saying you're wrong. That's well, I know the know Panthers that. have been to two stat. Super Bowls, but lost both yeah, of the, them. The Panthers lost both Super Bowls, and I don't think yeah. that the Hornets ever won. Yeah, they've never even won a division title. Dang, oh that's God. crazy. So that yeah, is crazy. So if, if we're talking about like, <laughs> and, and and I think it's, I think it, I mean, it goes, it goes across, you know, multiple, multiple fan bases that you'll always have a team that is consistently, and I would comfortable to say that the Hurricanes over the last few years have consistently been a playoff team, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you like, they're the only team in North Carolina, professional team in North Carolina with a championship support the shit out of them. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Why not? Yeah. 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 No it's got to just be yeah, geography. Like, probably. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. 
but either way jolly man it's been a blast hanging we'll, we'll let you get to bed at a normal time and uh we'll keep in touch i can't wait to hear this new single i had no idea yeah. coming into this episode that we had new frontside music coming out and now we got it we got a, a little tidbit that we got some new tunes coming and i'm super excited i was and literally hanging out with i was hanging out with josh last month at fest and i he didn't even say anything about it yeah i mean it's it's one of those things and it's like i feel like i think we all are on the same page to where it's like the people close to us know what we're doing but like yeah the outside looking at it it's like we're not gonna we're not gonna do the whole like big things coming soon and then drop <laughs> something like nine months later you know what i yeah. mean like we can't we can't really do that so and, and like i said the timeline has just shifted and flexed you know a couple times so it's probably better that we haven't announced it or formally said anything but yeah. like yeah there's 100 percent new stuff on the way like no doubt yeah so excited it's gonna be sweet it's, it's, it's really really fun stuff and i think uh i'm not gonna say too much because i'm gonna spoil this shit i know i am but uh it definitely <laughs> it definitely shows a slightly different side of front side i'll just say that nice okay so, okay well yeah. we can't wait to hear it and as always we 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 love front side we love all you guys and we will be in touch as always. And if you have not checked out Frontside, you're an idiot, but go find them on all your socials, on anywhere you stream music, give them some love, and uh, you'll you'll definitely want to catch them at a live show when they get some more stuff announced, and you'll thank us later. So, Jolly Man, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you later. Peace. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. So stoked we could finally make it work. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. Miss y'all. Hopefully, we can all link up again soon and have some good hangs again. Hell yeah.